0: This podcast is brought to you by PrimeSport, official travel partner of the Seahawks. I'll be traveling with Prime Sport to New Orleans this year to watch the Hawks play Drew Brees and the Saints. You can come too. Just use discount code HAWK10 and get 10% off a travel package including airfare, game tickets, hotel, and a pregame party. Hope to see you there. All right, here we go
1: again. Week three, uh, I think, uh, of the Softie Hawk Blogger podcast. Uh, every week, talking Seahawk football, all things Hawks, as the Hawks are coming off a 9-3 loss to the, uh, I almost said St. Louis, L.A. Rams on Sunday. They now take on the 49ers on Sunday at the Clink, and uh, the Softy Hawk Blogger podcast is not possible without Hawk Blogger. So here he is, Brian Nemhauser from HawkBlogger.com. What's going on, man?
0: Ah. Uh. Softy, that was that was rough, man. That was that was a tough week last week.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was hard to watch, man. No doubt about it. And you know what? The thing that gets me about it is that I, I actually had some question marks about the defense going into the year. Guys getting older, no Bruce Irvin, no Brandon Meebane, and the defense has played lights out in the last couple weeks, and they should be two and zero, but they're not, and that bugs me.
0: You know, the last time Pete Carroll's had a team a defense with 8 sacks through the first 2 weeks in Seattle? Uh 2011. He's never had a defense before this year.
1: Never had a defense before this year. That's what yeah. I meant to say. In
0: Seattle yeah. at least. So I mean this is this is a defense that, you know, we we had like my biggest question uh, about the Seahawks defense was pass rush and mm. my biggest question about pass rush was what Frank Clark was going to do. Right. The guy's got 3 sacks through 2 games. Yep. Cassius Marsh Who's never had a sack in his whole friggin career should have two sacks through two games um you know there's there's a lot of reason to be incredibly bullish on the team that's number one in points allowed and yards allowed right I don't care who they're facing that's impressive right and yet here we are one and one and uh you know it's it's that Ram's team is just uh it's a kicking the teeth every time.
1: Well, there's no doubt, and now it's four out of five for Jeff Fisher against Pete Carroll, so you got that one out of the way. And, and let's be honest, man, uh, people are starting to ask, is this going to be a repeat of the 92 Seahawks? Uh, which I don't think it, it'll be that bad. They went 2-14 and 14 for crying out loud, <laughs> oh, but they had a on. phenomenal defense, and they had a terrible offense. But, I mean, let's face it, man, and you mentioned this on Twitter uh, uh, in regards to the criticism of Daryl Bevel that you've got your number 1 running back is banged up your number three running back in pro size is banged up your quarterback is banged up your starting right guard is banged up now your top three pass catchers in Baldwin Lockett and Jimmy Graham coming off the injury are all suffering some kind of a setback there Um, everything that could go wrong health-wise for this offense has gone wrong so I guess from here it can only get better
0: yeah. You know, well, there's two ways to look at this, right? So, so the one way is um, everyone slowed the roll about, you know, the world coming to an end for the Seahawks offense. I mean, there is no logical reason that this offense should be significantly worse than the offense that finished the year last year. There's none. They, they have, they are, they're healthier at running back They are than they, I think they're better qualified. They have better players there. They, they are better at the offensive line. As far as I'm concerned, they are a better offensive line this year than they were last year. Um, they have Jimmy Graham back. They have other weapons at tight end. Um, so so it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So that, that is one way to, to kind of look at this. The other way is look at the friggin' Patriots, you know, like they're down, they're down to like, you know, Bill Belichick having to play quarterback. J- Julian Edelman might suit up next week. Right. And, Are you going to bet against them at this point? I mean, they went in there with Jacoby Brissett last night and shut out the Texans put up 27 points. Yeah. And they did it by actually getting turnovers on special teams and turnovers on defense. And, you know, it's like... The Seahawks with Russell Wilson, even if it's a hobbled Russell Wilson, should be able to score more than nine points.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? Look, I mean, the Patriots, first of all, uh, they're a win over Buffalo who's terrible away from going 4-0 without Tom Brady. Unbelievable. Which should scare the crap out of everybody in the NFL, number one. And then number two, uh, I, I just think it just goes to show you, not that we needed any reminder of this because we already know it, how valuable Russell Wilson's athleticism is to this offense. And when he can't run, the whole thing goes to crap in a hand bucket, man. Uh, And you're talking about an offensive line that's not playing well to begin with. But, okay, what's the best friend of a mediocre to below-average offensive line? A quarterback who can improvise and make things happen. And right now, we don't have that.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. I think you're right, but I'd add to that, like... Look, everyone's looking for a scapegoat, and I think you have to when you're, your offense scores 15 points through two games. But, you know, yes, it's not any one thing. If I was to have to point the finger at something that has been the most egregious from my point of view, mm-hmm. it's been Daryl Bevel. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not looking to say he is the reason. Mm-hmm. And for all the other stuff we've talked about, injuries are real and they have an impact. I think he's been out coached two games in a row. I How? Don't think he's How? come out with a. Look, the 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 Dolphins game, you know, there was not a single play almost where you saw people running free. You did not see the Dolphins surprised by almost anything the team did. Um you heard well, <laughs> I will just say that there is there's a reason that the, I think people in the in in that locker room feel the same way. And, and then I, I, I think you get to the second game, and much more the same. I mean, I, I think there was not a single play where you looked and said, okay, Bevel put them in a great position to you know, have an advantage. And I think his play calling rhythm was just off. He's been thrown off by this kind of dogged need to, to follow this certain pattern with how they, they run plays. I mean, to run, a, to, to run the ball on the second play of the game after you lost two yards on the first. It's weird. It's hmm. weird to to come out in the second half after two successful runs by Kristen Michael, yeah. 16 and 10 yards or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. And then have Alex Collins come in and run him two times in a row. What the hell is that? Well, that, that? That doesn't make sense. And it's like, come on. We've seen when this team makes progress. When is it? At the end of half. And guess who's calling plays at the end of halves? Russell Wilson.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, first of all, um, your your point about uh, C-Mike, uh, it was the first and second drive of the Ram game, and I wish I had the notes in front of me where he had back-to-back runs. I think he may have had three great runs on the first drive and then two of them for like 25 yards, whatever it was, uh, on the second drive. And then Collins came in. I'm thinking, okay, Kristen Michael needs a blow. He'll be back in there. And I think he carried the ball maybe one more time in the entire second half after that drive you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So that I totally get. But I would also say that when they were down there in the red zone and Russell went to that fade route to Jermaine Curse, which – Tell me the last time Jermaine Curse caught a fade route for a touchdown. Oh, God. Okay, honestly. Daryl Bevel puts the Seahawks in a situation where Jimmy Graham has one-on-one coverage yep. with a corner, and Russell's not even looking his way. So, look, I, I get the criticism of Daryl from the perspectives that you're talking about. The run game is certainly valid in that game. But if they get that touchdown, if Russell looks Jimmy's way, and I would trust Jimmy on a fade route a thousand times more than I would trust Jermaine Curse. That's a touchdown, and that game may have turned out differently. Softy, softy. You you were at the press
0: conference, I'm sure, when when Bevel was talking this. Week. I don't agree with what he said. I think he he's crazy. Said, he said that that Russell made the right call right. based on the play that was called. I don't agree and, with that. Yeah. Well. You know, here's what, that, here's what no one really followed up with, because we're a nice market here. In By the Seattle. way, just, not
1: New York. just for the record, I was not there, okay? Okay, all right. All right. I, I was on the air doing a show.
0: You heard it, though. You heard it. I so, did, yes. So, you know, the implication of what Bevel said there, and we should catch everyone up, he basically said, on the play at the goal line, when Russell Wilson threw the fade to, to Jermaine Kearse, and Jimmy Graham was running alone... Up the middle of the field, one on one, was it the right play for for Russell to go to curse and And Bevel said multiple times, Russell made the right call, you know, that based off of the play that was called. He made the right read, he threw it to the right place. What the implication of that is it's the wrong bleeping call. The wrong call was made. That is Daryl Bevel's responsibility to say, "You know what? I am going to figure out a way to get Jimmy Graham." Isolated, and I'm going to make him the primary read because I'm going to keep coming back to that Patriots game last night. They're starting Jacoby Brissett against a pretty good Texans defense, and what did they do? They put their players in position to succeed. They didn't ask Brissett to do anything he couldn't do. They built a game plan around that. They adjusted, and they were like little short throws. They were easy plays. I refuse to believe those same plays aren't available for the Seahawks with Russell Wilson at quarterback. It's let, just ri- ridiculous.
1: Let me let me just maybe play devil's advocate for a second. Uh, your, your response to Bevel's uh, insistence that Russell made the right read there. It's also possible that Daryl is just not in the mood to toss his quarterback under the bus in, in that situation. And look, I mean, we, we've seen him do that before. He's been semi-critical of Russell, as has Pete Carroll at times in the last maybe year or so. So it certainly is possible that Daryl just didn't want to throw Russell out there and uh, and criticize him with the media. But I don't know, man. I mean, even if Jermaine's the primary read, uh, Russell has a chance to go somewhere else, and he didn't do it. So, look, I mean, I just, Brian, I'm sure you'll agree, when you're averaging seven and a half points a game, yeah. it really is on everybody. It is. It really is. You know, I mean, the offensive line, like for example, yesterday on the show, we were talking about the idea of going out and making a trade for Joe Thomas with the Browns, okay? And who knows where that's going. I'm sure the Hawks have inquired. The Browns, for whatever reason, seem to be just stupid and arrogant about the insistence on hanging on to him when they're terrible and going nowhere, but whatever. Uh, Imagine if they made a trade like that and they get Joe Thomas at left tackle and then Jermaine Fetty comes back at right guard, and Jamarcus Webb is back on the bench. How much different does this offensive line look if they can pull off a trade like that and get Jermaine Fetty healthy again? It looks totally different.
0: It does. It does, and and I would say it's not going to happen. But I would never say never yeah. with this. I would agree with you yeah. with this group. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I, and and I think that we have to also be realistic about Effedi coming back. I'm I'm as bullish on him as anybody else, not because of uh, that. I think he's great. I think he could be, but because I think just the removal of Jamarcus Webb, it's like removing Kerry Williams from the secondary last mm-hmm. year. Like right. There's there's addition by subtraction there. So, but he's a rookie, he's going yep. to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. He's gonna, yeah. he's going to have problems. So, you know that group's. I think that group is getting more criticism than and way more criticism than is merited mm. for the problems that are going on. Mm. I, I think that if you look at that Rams game, they had nine quarterback hits. The Rams had nine quarterback hits. They had two sacks. You look at the the last three years of Seahawks playing the Rams. Every single game, the Rams have had at least two quarterback hits and at least – sorry, at least seven quarterback hits and at least three sacks. In most of those games, they're talking about seven sacks, six sacks, 13 quarterback hits. Mm. And this was just last year with, with the line. This even happened in 2013, so I don't want to hear that the line— and Kristen Michael averaged six yards a carry. He's averaging five yards a carry on the season, which is number one in the NFC. So there are plays there and yards to be gained. It's not all on the offensive line.
1: Uh, you're right. It's not all on the offensive line, but I think a lot of it is on the offensive line. And I would put it on John Schneider and Pete Carroll for putting that offensive line out there. Uh, I mean, look, you know, uh, Bradley Sal's doing the best he can. Jamarcus Webb is doing the best he can. These guys should not be starting for the Seahawks. Bradley Sal is not a real left tackle. Jamarcus Webb is not a real right guard. I don't know how much stock you put in the pro football focus player rankings, Brian, But these guys have uh, Bradley Sal. Uh, rated as the 61st best tackle in football, Gilliam at 66, and Jamarcus Webb at 69 when it comes to guards, which basically makes Jamarcus Webb the worst guard in football. And I'm, I'm with you on the Jermaine Fetti thing. Look, he's a rookie. Who knows how the guy's going to play when he comes back. There's going to be some learning curves and growing pains with him. But clearly the Seahawks believe Jermaine Fetti is a better answer than Jamarcus Webb because the guy won the job in camp
0: yeah he well gosh, I mean uh, <laughs> right? I don't want to get too uh too harsh here, but there's a lot of guys that are better answer than jamarcus webb so i, I think I think we can do yeah. better there for sure. I've never been a fan of that signing from the moment it happened and and honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of the Bradley sowell signing, but over the course of training camp and the preseason i, I think that he's an okay player. I don't think that we're great in a great shake uh shape to have him as a starting left tackle Mm-hmm. But, you know, look, I, I'm going to trust what I saw in the preseason and during training camp. I've watched these players for years um, doing 1v1 drills and pass blocking drills. I've watched them um, in preseason. I've watched those, the, these different lines the Seahawks have had. And this line was well ahead of where those lines have been the past couple years. In
1: the preseason?
0: Yes. Oh, there's no doubt. And I think, no doubt. I think from a run-blocking perspective, I was seeing push by that line that I hadn't seen really ever from a, a line with Pete Carroll. And so I am going to continue to believe that's going to come around because what I saw last year was a line that had no chance, even in the preseason, they were a disaster, yeah. Yeah. and they eventually were serviceable. So so this line, I, I'm just confident they're going to be okay. It's not a four-alarm fire from my perspective.
1: Well, my my concern about the line is this, is, is that there's only really two guys on that offensive line right now that I feel good saying, okay, they, they should improve, they should get better, and that's Mark Lewinsky and Justin Britt. I, I think everybody else else, for the most part, they are what they are. I think at this stage of his career, Jamarcus Webb is what he is. I think at this stage of his career, Bradley Sal is is what he is. Uh, I Gary Gilliam to me, I mean, my God, Pete Carroll was talking about this guy over the offseason like he was the next Walter Jones. And not only is he not playing left tackle, he's now playing right tackle. So, I don't know, man. It's got to get better and hopefully it will get better. But now the Niners on Sunday uh, and speaking of owning somebody, uh, for as much as Jeff Fisher has owned Pete Carroll in the last couple of years, uh, the Seahawks' man. How about this? Going back to that Christmas Eve game in 2011. This is five years ago. It's right, 10 games ago against the Niners. The Hawks are now 7-3 and in those 10 games. They've won five in a row and in the last eight, and during that 10-game stretch, the Niners are averaging 11 points a game. And the quarterbacks have been terrible. The, uh, The combined passer rating for the Niners in those 10 games against the Hawks going back to 2011 is 65 with eight picks. So, I mean, look, hopefully this Sunday we see what we've seen before, which is the Hawks just dominate these guys.
0: Yeah, that's the hope, and, and you could throw in there as well. Pete Carroll's had some pretty good luck against Chip Kelly. Um, he you know, sure did. Yeah, at USC, think, right? Yeah, even even when he was with the Eagles. I mean, it was what was it two years ago mm-hmm. um, that they just smoked uh, the Eagles in Philadelphia. So I, I do think that there's reason to be optimistic. I, I felt like there's reason to be optimistic last week. I mean, honestly, if you'd put a gun to my head last week, I. I even with all the problems the Rams have always given us, I thought that was going to be the moment that the Seahawks won by, you know, a touchdown or two and they didn't do it this week. I mean, this 49ers team has flaws everywhere. Yeah. Um, You know, but they also are, you know, sixth in the NFL in turnover margin. They, they've created some turnovers. They've um, you know, they protect the quarterback pretty well, although they're missing Anthony Davis this week. So we'll see if that helps. Um, And, You know, they're putting up 27 points a game. It's amazing to me. 27 and a half points a game is ninth in the NFL. There's a lot of scoring going on. So, um, look, I I think this game, more than anything else, more than usual, is going to come down to turnovers. And the Seahawks, for God's sakes, they didn't take the ball off Case Keenum, which Mm -hmm. is just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, but they come in bunches, though, Brian. Don't you know that by now?
0: That's what we hear.
1: Does that drive you nuts, by the way? uh, The way it drives me nuts. I told Michael Barrow on the show on Wednesday, hey, that's great, but can we spread those out a little bit?
0: Yeah, well, and how is it that they come in bunches for the Seahawks, but, you know, they're pretty consistent throughout the year for the Cardinals. They're pretty consistent throughout the year for the Patriots. So, you know, there is something to it, and Pete Carroll would tell you that's something that they can control, and if they can control it, you know, I'd like to see it because the the turnovers really have been a different story since 2013. They just haven't been able to take the ball off teams. Yeah and it's not just the Seahawks' fault, but it doesn't matter. No you know, excuses, they got to do it. They got to get the ball off Blaine Gabbert and they have to stop turning the ball over themselves. You know, that's another story here. I mean, the Seahawks have had turnovers in their first two games mm-hmm. that, you know, could have been the difference in the first, and definitely were the difference in the second.
1: No doubt. Yeah, killer turnovers and uh, stupid flags. Okay, Ugh. I mean, just ridiculous. And heck, I'll even go back to the Rams game on the first drive. The uh, face mask on Cam. You kidding me?
0: That was terrible. That, oh. was, that, that was that was definitely. I mean, I said the same thing. I mean, Cam. So so let's 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 talk about that for one second. You know, you heard the Seahawks, you know, complaining about three offensive pass interference right. calls, and yep. there's some rumbles that, hey, maybe, you know, the NFL wanted the Rams to win their ah, home come over. on. Come on. Uh, what's, what is your take on on the, the penalties that you saw in that game? Uh,
1: well, the one on Lockett uh, on the near sideline uh, was, to me, just typical wide receiver cornerback contact that we see all the time. And I was shocked to see it called. The push on Jermaine on the far sideline, Line when he extended the arm. I think when you extend the arm, you're inviting a flag, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, those two, I think, kind of stand out. The third one, uh, which I think was also on Lockett, is that right? Uh, looked kind of a, a 50-50. I just thought the first one on Tyler, uh, on the ball thrown down the sideline, uh, we, we, we see that stuff all the time. But you know what? When you stick your arm out and you literally plant your palm on a defender's chest and then you back off, th- that's going to get cold.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think all the calls were questionable. I thought that the, there were plenty of calls that <laughs> could have gone against the Seahawks that were not called as well. Mm-hmm. I thought Bradley Sowell was offsides half that yeah. game. How about Sherman starting. in the end I zone? Thought Sherman absolutely grabbed Kenny Britt on what should yep. have been, you know, a uh, first and goal. So I just thought the refs were terrible. I don't think anything was specific to the Seahawks. And, you know, I, I even hate hearing that conversation come up. You know, we've, we've been through that in 2005. We know, you know, blaming the refs, all that gets you is is nothing. So, anyway. I,
1: yeah, I, I would I, just, in that, that, that game Sunday, man, uh, the officials to me, as far as the list of reasons why the Hawks lost the game, would be down the list in that yeah. game Sunday. I mean, Cassius Marsh, okay, fine. He gets the sack. You got him wrapped up. Your hand is on his face mask. What are you doing? Keep your hands away from the guy's head for crying out loud. Fundamentals. There's no reason for that. The face mask on Cam, the play's over. It's blowing up for a four or five-yard loss. What are you doing? All right? I mean, to me, that stuff is just about being smart, Brian.
0: Well, think about this, Dave. Just the one. Just the one play. If if Cam had not done what you're you're exactly right, there was no reason he needed to go high on that tackle at all. Yeah. Yep. That play doesn't happen. It's third and long. You the, the Rams field. didn't convert a third and long all day. Right. That's three points that the Rams don't have. And then at the end of the game, guess what? You're kicking to tie instead of trying to score a touchdown mm. to win. Yeah. Like one yeah. play. Yeah. And and so like you know, you got ten penalties, one of them. Two of them were the difference in that game, and, and the Seahawks absolutely have to clean it up, and that is on coaching. and And I do think the coaches need to be held accountable for what some of what's going on right now, even with all the stuff going on with with the injury. So right. this is a must win game. You know, as much as you can have one early in the season. Agreed. I think going to the Jets next week. Oh, I don't feel good about that game at all. I don't either. Um, yeah. So yeah. if you don't want to be one and three going into your bye, right. um, you got to get this one.
1: No, I'm with you, man. No doubt. All right buddy. Great stuff. Uh, where are you at this weekend for the game, by the way?
0: Home? Well, um, I'll be there with with uh, friends and fam, and I do want to give a quick comment that, uh, you know, I, I wrote about this, but um, working with some of the players on the Seahawks, um, trying to get the fans involved with what's going on uh, with, you know, police and with minorities and what's happening in the streets. And so I'm just asking folks that, that want to join. Um, step one is just uh, link arms, um, join the team and showing community support and and support for getting this Figured out. It doesn't have to be about taking sides. It just has to be about that we're committed to figuring out how to make this better. So um, that's one. And and, and two, um, I would just say, uh, uh, you know, let's be smart. You know, hopefully as we do that in the stands, that people uh, are respectful of each other and and, uh, it doesn't turn ugly.
1: Well, Michael Bennett, you heard him yesterday. He said, we need more white guys for the (laughs) cause. I'm a white guy. You're a white guy. I think he's talking to you and me. I think, we can, I think we can help. It's on us, baby. Help. All right, man, great stuff, and we'll talk in a week. All right, sounds good, Dave. See you, man. That's uh, our buddy Brian Nemhauser from HawkBlogger.com. Find him on Twitter. Great stuff there, by the way. It's all free, which is really cool, at HawkBlogger on Twitter, HawkBlogger.com on the web. We'll talk to you next week.